It seems like every week in 2023, the Brazilian media is talking about a new extreme weather event. Over a dozen states in the country have been on red alert, thanks to an unseasonable heat wave that has seen thermometers break all sorts of records, something completely unprecedented for the end of winter. This week, Brazil's south is set to be hit by a cyclone. Actually, I should say, yet another cyclone after dozens died as a result of flooding earlier in September. And amid all this, there is a drought in the Amazon. And not just any drought, potentially the worst drought on record. I'm Gustavo Ribeiro, editor-in-chief of the Brazilian Report, and this is Explaining Brazil. If you like Explaining Brazil, you should subscribe to The Brazilian Report, the journalistic engine behind this podcast. If you like Explaining Brazil, you should subscribe to The Brazilian Report, the journalistic engine behind this podcast. We are an independent organization funded by our subscribers, and you can help us stay independent and continue to produce award-winning journalism. And if you are already a subscriber, you can go the extra mile and join our Buy Me A Coffee fan page. In return, you get exclusive perks such as special newsletters and behind-the-scenes content, as well as a shout-out here on our podcast. And today I'd like to thank our Buy Me A Coffee members Andrei Novoseltsev, Tom Nolan, Marta Martins, Ben Ludwig, Leslie Seal, Caroline Hubert, Mark Hillary, John Thomas III, Luis Hens, Aaron Menais, Orlando Black, Steve Knapp, Aaron Berger, James Coney, Cars Fresvik, Alasdair Townsend, Peter Abrahamson, Jim Awofadeju, Michael Fryer, Miller Renacido, David Dixon, José Jose Stankovic, Emerging Market Muser, Yarden Iftah, Tanika Thompson, Anderson da Silva, Kat Kramer, Peter Suffering, Anna Land, and someone who chose to remain anonymous. And our Buy Me A Coffee members come from all over the world, so please, if we are butchering the pronunciation of your name, do send us an email. And if you do believe in the importance of independent journalism, and if you want to hear your name on our podcast, go to buymeacoffee.com slash brazilianreport to subscribe to one of the membership levels. Click on buymeacoffee.com slash brazilianreport to learn more. Being so close to the equator, the Amazon rainforest does not adhere to traditional seasons of summer, fall, winter, and spring. Instead, there is a wet season and a dry season. And because of the size of the Amazon basin, the times of these seasons vary from place to place. In the city of Manaus, for example, the capital of Amazonas state, heavy rains typically begin in November and don't let up until around June, where the dry spell begins. Now, to talk about what's going on in the region now, I'd like to welcome Ewan Marshall, our deputy editor and usually our go-to for all things Amazon. Ewan, thanks for joining us again. Hi, Gustavo. 
So even we have established that the Amazon has wet and dry spells and that affects the level of rivers as well. It is normal for rivers to dry up a bit around this time of the year, but what's going on at the moment? You're right, we're talking about drought in Amazonas state here, uh, but for all intents and purposes, there's a drought every single year in the region. I mean, that's just the natural life cycle of the rivers. For about two-thirds of the year, levels rise due to heavy rainfall, and the remaining third is the dry season, when the level drops quite sharply. And when I say that the level drops sharply, it typically only drops to a point where, you know, the rivers are still sufficiently deep, you know, when boats can still sail along them with relative ease, nothing approaching an emergency, but that's not the case this year. Okay, so put that into perspective for us. How severe is the drought this year? Well, the rivers in the Amazon Basin are measured about, you know, a dozen or so main stations. Uh, you've got like a system of rulers where the zero is considered to be the kind of average value. For most of the Amazon Basin, the biggest drought ever recorded was in October 2010, which caused a huge panic throughout the region. And if we use the station of Tabachinga as an example, which is located way into the western Amazon on the border with Peru and Colombia, the river there, the Rio Solimois, as the the western part of the Amazon River is called, it is currently about minus 40 centimetres, as in it's below zero for that measuring station. Now, it has gone lower before, but when we look at the data from 2010, the year of the all-time most severe drought, in late September of that year, the river was almost 130 centimetres deeper than it is now. So you're saying that the river levels are already quite low, but if we follow historical trends they could actually be getting even lower, potentially lower than they have ever been. Exactly. I mean, it's not a hard and fast rule, but the maximum point of droughts in the Amazon Basin and thus you know, the minimum level of rivers tends to be in mid-October. So there's still room for the situation to you know, get worse, so to speak. And Ewan, when we talk about drought in Brazil, we typically talk about it in terms of crop survival, water shortages, starvation... We have had many historic droughts in the country's northeast that led to huge internal migrations of people to the southeast. Here in Sao Paulo, we have had major water supply scares after droughts. And last year in the south, there was a particularly tough drought that had major impact on agribusiness. When we talk about drought in the Amazon Basin, what does that entail? Well, it's a whole different beast because while extreme drought comes with the same problems that you've just mentioned, there's another even bigger issue to bear in mind in the Amazon, and that's the region's reliance on its rivers being saleable. Because, you know, to put this into perspective, the state of Amazonas is huge. If it were its own country, it would be the world's 18th largest. Uh, but for a space that large, it only has three federal highways and only a couple of dozen state roads, and many of which aren't actually fully paved. So the region's rivers are its actual road network. You know, that's how people get around. That's how people get supplies. That's how the whole region functions. And if you look at a map of the state, all of its halfway important municipalities are on the banks of a river. The only exception I can think of is Apui, which sits right on the Trans-Amazonian Highway, and it was only created at the time that the road was built. The rest of them are all completely reliant on rivers. So what happens when the river gets too low? I think I can't imagine, but what kind of negative effects have shown up over the last month? Well, if the river level gets too low, larger boats can't navigate it. 
And as I said, these regions are reliant on rivers, so that includes passenger boats, the boats that supply supermarkets, boats with feed for livestock, floating health centres, floating banks, fuel ships, all sorts of different types of vessels, and all with important uses. When the water level is low, they can't sail. So then the alternative is to use smaller boats. But imagine that. Imagine you supply the groceries for supermarkets in a city that's only accessible by river. That's a lot of merchandise, so you'll probably be used to making that trip with a pretty big boat. And when you can't use a big boat, you're going to have to split up your cargo into small portions and transport it on small little vessels. So instead of making one big trip and paying for one crew, you're making lots of small trips and paying lots of sailors. And by the time your products reach the supermarkets, you're going to have to charge a hell of a lot more for them. And not only that, this whole process takes so much longer. So, you know, perishable items like fruit, veg, dairy, meat, all that, that all runs the risk of spoiling before consumers even get a chance to buy it. Right. And how bad is it this year? Well, we've already seen plenty of examples of extreme climate events around Brazil this year, and an exceptional drought in Amazonas is linked to that too, with climate changes making these extremes more and more common. But it's also largely down to El Nino, which is the weather phenomenon that you've heard so much about this year. Okay, pretend we have never heard of El Nino before. Can you explain what it is and why it is causing drought in the Amazon? Well, I can try. Uh, in simple terms, El Nino is a massive warm patch of water in the Pacific Ocean that appears every few years at irregular intervals. And whenever it does appear, it changes weather patterns all around the world in different ways. So what does this have to do with the Amazon, you say? Well, all around the globe, we have these belts of winds which are high in the sky. They're usually called jet streams. These jet streams are quite predictable and they guide the normal weather patterns. They determine where storms and rainfall are going to occur. Now, during El Nino, if you remember, we have this patch of abnormally warm water in the Pacific Ocean. Now, this releases heat into the atmosphere and it can mess with these jet streams, sending them off in different directions. So that means that places that usually get little rain can end up getting lots of rain. And places that rely on rainfall, like the Brazilian Amazon, can end up being left without. And a great example of just how much El Nino can mess with rainfall is that August saw higher than average rainfall in the Amazon. But the damage for this drought was done because of the hardly any rain that came in June and July. And in this month too, there's a lot less than expected. El Nino is not the only one to blame though, right? Is human interference making this process worse? Oh yeah, undoubtedly. I mean, there's nothing conclusive yet to say that human interference is making the effects of El Nino more or less intense, but studies have shown a pretty close relationship between the increased rates of deforestation and decreased rainfall. As you mentioned earlier, the state of Amazonas is a huge, huge area the size of Venezuela. So where exactly are we talking about? What parts of the state are being most affected? So there are a total of 62 municipalities in Amazonas state. Four have declared a state of emergency, 15 are on a state of high alert, and another 13 are in a state of attention, uh, is what they call it. So, I mean, we're looking at about half the state. Uh, but the Amazonas Civil Defence told me that they expect all but two of the state's municipalities to be in a full state of emergency by mid-October. 
And of the four municipalities already under a state of emergency, I reached out to officials in Benjamin Constanche, which is just across the river from Tabachinga, which I mentioned earlier. That's all the way to the west of the Brazilian Amazon. And they're pretty adamant that they've never seen such a severe drought and they're worried about it getting worse. What kind of problems it is causing there? Well, Benjamin Constanche is a great example of a city that could really bear the full brunt of a severe drought. It's home to about 45,000 people, so it's not tiny. And besides the Solimois and Javari rivers that flow by it, its only connection to the outside world is a dirt road to the neighbouring town of Atalaya do Norte, which is even more isolated than Benjamin Constanche. So it really does rely heavily on the city of Tabachinga, which is only about 15 kilometres away, but with the rivers at dangerously low levels, it's basically just been completely cut off. I spoke to the city's mayor, and he's worried that Benjamin Constance could face a full supply crisis at some point in the next month, because the supplies are arriving from Manaus to Tabachinga, but they're having a hell of a time making that really short journey to Benjamin Constance. And the local population is relatively poor, right? So I imagine that anything that does arrive, they would struggle to pay for. Well, exactly. Uh, the mayor was telling me that bringing the boats from Tabachinga to Benjamin Constanche, which is 15 kilometers, remember, is costing more than it does to bring a boat from Manaus to Tabachinga, which is a trip that takes about seven days. Wow. Um, so what can be done can they dredge the rivers? Yeah, so dredging is something that can be done, but it's a kind of quick fix for specific points because, you know, if the drought gets worse, there's no feasible way to dredge the entire Amazon River. Now, the actual solution is probably something more long-term. Um, I know that building highways in Amazonas state is something of a controversial topic because you always have to be careful with protecting the environment and traditional communities. But there has to be some sort of network in place so that these municipalities don't get completely cut off when rivers become unusable. Right. And also from what you're saying, it seems there isn't only a reliance on rivers. There's also a reliance on the city of Manaus. Why should it take seven days for a ship to transport goods within the same state? Couldn't other cities lighten the load a bit? Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, everything runs through Manaus or Porto Velho, which is the capital of Hondonia State to the south. I mean, an excellent idea would be to strengthen more of the cities along the Amazon's major rivers so you can have, you know, depots and distribution centers spread across the state. And why are we talking about Manaus? It's not just important for the Amazonas state, it is important for all Brazil, right? It is home to a massive industrial hub. Exactly. Yeah, it's home to Brazil's only free trade zone. So you've got lots of multinational corporations setting up factories there. Coca-Cola, Procter & Gamble, Samsung, Panasonic, Honda. I mean, the list goes on. The problem there is the same as in Benjamin Constance. The biggest boats can't get there. Because in normal times, a ship would arrive in Manaus with 3,000 containers, all full to the brim. At the moment, they're arriving with only 300. And last week, we saw LG send its employees in Manaus on leave because they no longer have enough inputs to keep production lines going. And, you know, lots of these big companies will typically only have stocks for about 15 to 30 days. So if this drought does get worse, as expected, you can then expect a lot more factories to follow suit. Yeah, and I've got a feeling we have definitely not heard the last of this story, Ewan. 
Thanks for breaking it down for us and hope to talk to you soon. Thanks, Gustavo. And you're right, listeners should definitely check out Brazilian.report to keep up with all the developments over what is set to be a testing next few weeks. And if you like explaining Brazil, please give us a five-star rating wherever you get your podcasts. It takes only a second and it will help us reach a wider audience. Or better yet, subscribe to the Brazilian Report, the journalistic engine behind this podcast. We have a subscription-based business model, and your memberships fuel our journalism and keep us going and growing. Thanks to our subscribers, we have been able to cover Brazil and Latin America extensively, and our work has won and been shortlisted for several international journalism awards. More recently, our newsletters won the Best Newsletter Prize in the Americas from the World Association of Newspapers and News Publishers, for a small or local newsroom. In order to keep doing that work, we need your support. Go to brazilian.report slash subscribe. I'm Gustavo Ribeiro. Thanks for listening. And Explaining Brazil will be back next week. Explaining Brazil.